0: It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg
1: Pallast.
0: And this is Jenna Bernstein with Greg Pallast. We are live. We're coming at you from San Francisco and Los Angeles. And we are happy to be back. And we're happy to have Greg. He's been out in the field digging and fighting for your vote. And he's got a lot of information that we want to share with you. Mr. Greg Palast, welcome back to Flashpoints. It's been a bit since we've been live, and we are happy to have you back. We know you've been out in the field, and uh, let's get right to it. Let's uh, start off in Georgia with the new purge in Georgia. We've been watching what's been happening there on the ground. So bring us up to speed, Greg.
1: It never ends. Georgia, of course, is, they're going to pick your president for you. I hate to tell you, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, you don't count. Okay. if you want to fix that, you need a new constitution. But so it'll be up to a few swing states. The swingiest is the state of Georgia, which Donald Trump officially lost by 11,000, nearly 11,000 votes out of 5 million. But uh, they're going to make sure that they don't make that Georgians don't make that mistake again by voting for the president they want. So the secretary, Republican secretary of state, guy named Brad Raffensperger, that's really his name. Um, with the blessing of the Governor Brian Kemp, have removed this, uh, just the last two weeks, 191,473 voters from the voter rolls. Let me repeat that. That's 100. I know. Take notes now. 191,473. Now, who are these people are being kicked off the voter rolls? I mean, you know, you have to, as you know, if you commit a felony crime like murder, then you're going to lose your right to vote. In most states. Uh, so are these uh, 191,000 murderers? No, they are voters that they say that there's a challenge, that there's a question about their address or their inactive voters, whatever that means. Uh, and by the way, Voting Rights Act specifically says you can't remove people because they skipped some elections, Well that's part of what they're claiming. But they're claiming that now Georgia has the cleanest voter rolls in America. That's a quote from the Secretary of State. Of course, they've bleached the voter rolls whiter than white. We've been here, Dennis, if you've been listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin, it may sound like a repeat show because in 2020, the same character removed 300,000. I got the best experts in America, including uh, in the Bay Area, Mark Swedeland, who's a listener to this program. Some of the top people work with, you know, work for um, Google and eBay and the others that know exactly where you live to see if these were people who don't live at the voting address. that They claim that they're illegal voters. And we found 198,000 voters removed illegally and wrongly and not just any voters. You know, it's, those are numbers. When you're talking removing 100,000 here, 100,000 there, it kind of adds up, Dennis. But who are they? I was at the polling station. And I met these voters when they were thrown out. One I didn't know was on the list, I had to look her up, I named Christine Jordan, 92 years old in her walker. She's thrown out of the polling station into a storm, it was storming out, her granddaughter in tears. Uh, this was Martin Luther King's 92-year-old cousin, who was thrown out of a polling station. After voting at the same station for 50 years, they said she didn't live... In Atlanta anymore. I went, you know, maybe she's scamming me just because she's Martin Luther King's cousin and she's 92. You know, you never, scammers come in all, in all shapes and sizes. So I went to her house to confirm that she lived there. Indeed, she did. And that she's been living there a while because there was a picture of her and King having, uh, her cousin King having dinner at their dining room table in younger days. And uh, so she was at least in this house half a century. And that's who they're removing on and on, I could go through endless names, but it was, so once again, I mean, I, it's almost well, And let me like just jump doing... in
0: here, uh, for, mm-hmm. for folks who haven't heard the crimes bulletin before who might need a refresher, if you were to listen to, you mentioned Brad Raffensperger, and uh, if mm-hmm. you would listen to the mainstream, the corporate networks, you would think he is a hero. He's one of the people who saved the vote. For the people, he has been cheered and uh, celebrated, but is, he's not really a hero, is he?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of people consider Hitler a hero because he was anti-Bolshevik, right? So um, Brad Raffensperger, who's been played as a hero on 60 Minutes and on many states, including MSDNC, Raffensperger has been the Persian general of Georgia, Republican hitman, he took Brian Kemp's place, who was who made himself governor by purging the voter rolls of a uh, massive number of black people. And he, he's played as a hero because they stood up to Donald Trump. They didn't really stand up to Donald Trump. They just didn't want to go to prison because there's a woman right down the street who's basically following, is going to get every paper and phone call that they have, named Fannie Willis, who's a prosecutor who has something against people trying to uh, undermine democracy and stealing elections because it's a felony crime. It's a felony crime in Georgia. You'd be surprised. But, yeah, it's actually a crime in Georgia. It's racketeering to have a conspiracy to overturn uh, an election. And so they wanted to stay out of prison. That doesn't make them heroes. And, in fact, they did everything that they could possibly do to get Trump elected. But he blew himself up, and they couldn't carry him over the finish line in Georgia because Georgia is heading into a minority-majority state, as they call it, where white people be in the minority. But the other thing is that in Atlanta, people are progressive. It's it's the new Georgia and the old Georgia. Uh, and I would like to remind people who've seen my film Vigilante that the current governor, it was his family which first brought enslaved Africans to Georgia. These people want to prevent... Not only they, they're building their careers, um, not only on vote suppression, but on hiding the fact, the, the ugly history of enslavement in Georgia. And why does the governor, like they're, um, this big anti-CRT campaign, what they call critical race theory, but what they mean is we can't teach history because they don't want to teach about what they did. You notice that I'm mixing the, the teaching of history with vote suppression because you cannot separate those. So in Georgia, you've got these basically running this massively racist campaign against voters, knocking off people like King's cousin. And now in this new round, how they find – now, by the way, I should mention, this guy Raffensperger went on 60 Minutes, went on MSDNC, went on National Petroleum Radio, and he said, Donald Trump is wrong. There wasn't one single – fraudulent voter casting a vote in Georgia. Not one. And yet, wait a minute, but now he's removing 191,000 would-be criminal voters. How does that happen? Because they're not... I don't according know. According to our expert, these people are there. We go to their houses. We find them. They are voters. They show up to vote. But overwhelmingly, they're using a system called ERIC and a study done by Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania together determined that eric is not only identifies wrongful voters overwhelmingly those wrongly identified people are african-american hispanic and asian-american and i was there in places like wisconsin which have used this where i had one student who lost his vote an asian-american student because he moved his dorm room You don't lose your vote because you you move a dorm room. But he was unfortunately trying to vote while Asian. And that's how the Republicans in Wisconsin kept their power. That's how the Republicans uh, kept their power in Wisconsin, despite it being really a blue state. And this is how the Republicans of Georgia have kept some of their power. They lost. You know, Senator Warnock was reelected, but only because... The voting rights groups, we were able to identify the wrongfully purged voters, get them back on the rolls, and go into federal court. So this is the battle. I, the reason I focus on Georgia, not only because it's an important swing state, but whatever – it's kind of a test kitchen of the, uh, of the vote suppression trickery, by mostly by the GOP. Not exclusively, but it's mostly GOP.
0: All right. Now, I want to continue in Georgia because there's a lot to say about what's going on on the ground. You've got a very active district attorney there, a very active uh, prosecutor who is moving ahead, despite, I guess, uh, the concerns of some others. But uh, she is, uh, among other things, Fannie Willis, she is a an expert in the sort of the 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 kinds of statutes that were used against organized crime and she's moving ahead no matter what anybody says because she's not, she's not easily shoved aside. So tell us a, a little bit about where her investigation is and why a whole bunch of people are afraid of her.
1: Uh, well, because she is an expert in what's called racketeering uh, RICO statutes, with the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. I, I was also the uh, RICO expert for the U.S. Justice Department. And I respect Fannie Willis very much. She's a tough prosecutor. In fact, a lot of African Americans in Atlanta were not happy because she's a she's a put him in jail throw the way the key tough law-and-order lady. But... When she had this uh, Agent Orange come into her district and commit and organize a series of crimes, in particular, we've seen this choosing of, of, of inducing people, uh, some Republicans in Georgia, to send letters to the National Archives saying that they had won election as electors for president of the United States to choose our president when they weren't even on the ballot. They never ran. Understand, in America, we have this crazy system. In fact, some people don't know, even now don't know the details of how our president is elected. We don't elect presidents. The candidate's name may be on the ballot, but we only elect a slate of electors. Those electors then get together in their state, have a meeting, and send their names. Say, we have won, uh, we have won election to be members of the Electoral College. They send it to the National Archives. It goes to the vice president, a guy who at the time was named Mike Pence, and then Pence reads off uh, the names of the winners of the electoral college and their preference for president in a joint meeting of congress on january 6th of each uh, presidential uh, after each presidential election and so we know the rest of that story but, but the real crime is here these people literally said we want election they weren't even on the ballot we want election and they so that's mail fraud and a conspiracy to commit mail fraud which is racketeering which means a lot of years in the Hooskow for those people who planned it. And the question is, did uh, some uh, orange-tinted guy organize this or know about it or uh, authorize this uh, scam, this fraud on the, uh, on the federal government?
0: You're listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We've been doing this with Mr. Greg Palast for about 20 years now, since the steal in uh, uh, at 2000. Let's get into the new attack on mail-in ballots.
1: Okay, so we have... Okay, here's another wonderful one. I remember there's this guy named Donald Trump who said that mail-in ballots are a fraud. Well, again, the Republican... Secretary of State of Georgia, who is right-wing as they come, he has said that we couldn't find fraudulent mail-in ballots. In fact, what they did was, in in Georgia, they literally hand-counted and reviewed 5 million ballots twice, and they couldn't find a single fraudulent ballot. Yet, we now have a right-wing group. There's a guy, his name is, let me get, Vince Espy. Now, you may not know Vince Espy, but he's really an important character because he has demanded that the state turn over to him uh, all 7 million voter signature registration cards. So this guy will have every person's, every voter's personal signature that he's demanding that they turn over to him, and he's demanding that they turn over copies of the signatures on the envelope of every single mail-in ballot. Now, why is he doing this? So he can show that signatures don't match. Well, they've already looked for these things, and yet it's strange. They have not, you know, if if you fraudulently sign a ballot, and it's not your ballot that you've received in the bail, and you've signed it, you go to prison. And they believe me, Raffensperger and the right wing and and Governor Brian Kemp have been looking for these illegal voters. In fact, they themselves claim that there were 1,000 but then when they look, they, the 1,000 got whittled down to exactly zero. They can't find one. What this guy wants to do is start challenging votes, because Georgia also has something, as you'll find out, in the film Vigilante, which you can get by at, from kpfa.org, in Vigilante, any voter, that is, any vigilante voter, self-described vigilante, can challenge another voter's ballot or right to vote. And what they're setting up is to challenge hundreds of thousands of votes They challenged 250,000 voters in the 2022 uh, election. We were able to uh, stop them from removing that quarter million voters, mostly voters of color, overwhelmingly voters of color, the color being blue, by the way. And now they're setting up to start challenging the mail-in ballot, saying, this signature doesn't match, that signature doesn't match. Because they made the claim. In fact, in Texas, for example, they made the claim that the Democratic Supervisor of Texas forged 700,000 ballots. I had met with him, and I said, you know, I I calculated that that would take him, like, somewhat over 1,000 years to do that if he did it full-time, so he must have had a lot of co-conspirators. But we can laugh about it, but believe me, this can block people from voting, and you'll meet the voters who were blocked from voting in Vigilante, Georgia's vote suppression hitman, they're preparing to massively attack voters who vote by mail. Until the 2000 election, it's interesting, Dennis, until the 2000 election, mail-in ballots were overwhelmingly sent in by Republicans, and, and the Republican Party never raised a peep about, oh, these terrible, fraudulent mail-in ballots, because they were mostly by Republicans. During COVID, the Democratic Party and the president and people who didn't want to Die to vote by getting ill, mailed in their ballots. So in the uh, 2020 election, it flipped. Democrats suddenly became the mail-in voters. And suddenly mail-in voting is is an inherently fraudulent system, rife with forgery and ballot stuffing. Yet they can't, I'm not saying that they can't find many cases. Dennis, I'm saying they haven't found any cases. That's amazing. We have almost a quarter billion ballots cast in the last Two years, and listen, Greg. I have, to, I have to. I have
0: to I have to interrupt now. But I have to say that I'm not going to be silent. Anybody who knows me knows the work we do together with Greg. Knows how f- how strong we feel about keeping the right to vote open. And Greg, that's why I want to jump. You've been doing some extraordinary new reporting around the attack on the American Native vote, particularly in Arizona. You know, in the last couple of years, Native Americans have uh, really uh, expanded their their, their attempts to get the, the, the groups and the, the folks uh, in the Native American community voting, participating in elections. They've been disenfranchised for so many years, having had their country stolen, uh, but now they're back. And because they're back, they're being shut down. You want to talk a little bit about your work uh, on yes. that front, Greg? That's well, new.
1: As, as, as people know, uh, I've been looking at racial vote suppression for over 20 years. And I can tell you from my experience, while it's been bad for the black community, Terrible for the Hispanic community. No community has been more under attack than the American Native community, indigenous community, especially those in reservations and pueblos. And now it's not coincidental. Two things you have to know about the Native vote. Number one, it's almost entirely Democratic. That makes them a target. Number two, for reasons that only the Lord High can explain, much of America's resources, from oil to coal to uranium to cobalt, you name it, is sitting under indigenous Americans. And, what it now, and so you have to, if, if you're going to take away their rights to and their control of their resources, you have to take away their vote. And so let me give you two examples. For BBC television, I went to the Acoma Pueblo in New Mexico, and there the the people in the pueblo who were overwhelmingly democrat but there was a primary in, in their county and there was it's all democrats so there was the, those the uh, rich white uh, ruler, ruling class the plantation owners so to speak the ranchers wanted to sell their properties for uranium mining but the people in the pueblo did not want to sell their sacred lands for uranium mining and their interests were not just spiritual. They had a uranium mine before their kids got sick and their fields were destroyed. They couldn't grow a thing. It was poisoned by the by the runoff and arsenic and other things in the uranium mining and processing. They didn't want uranium mining. So they had a vote and they and they were voting to elect anti-uranium mining candidates in the county And so because they had real problems getting their ballots because many didn't have uh, official addresses under the Patriot Act that George Bush put in, they knew American natives uh, don't have normal addresses because if if those who know if you're on a res or in the Pueblo, that a lot of the addresses were, you know, one mile west of the post office, uh, next door to the gas station. Those are the addresses. So under the Patriot Act, you actually have a street address, like 2222 Gas Station Way. So they didn't have that. So they were given – they were required to vote provisionally. So they sent in hundreds and hundreds of provisional ballots into the Pueblo. And they said, okay, here's your official ballot. Then we will check that you're a legitimate voter even though you don't have a normal address. But you have to put them in these official envelopes. So they filled out their ballots, they put them in the official envelopes, and then the, the uh, white people controlling the county disqualified all their ballots. I mean all of them. Why? Because they used the wrong envelope. They said, but we used the envelope you gave us. And they said, yeah, but we gave you the wrong envelopes. Ha ha. Gotcha. I'm not making Beautiful. this up. I put this on BBC TV. And again, now I want to point out something. notice I I put in the issue of control of uranium, because that's what it's about. It's about control, about control of resources, control of income. It's about power. In other words, as as Dennis was telling you at the front end, one thing I'm always saying, vote suppression is class war by other means. It's power. It's resources. They're not stealing votes to steal elections. They're stealing votes to steal the money. Let me go somewhere else. I was just on the Osage Reservation in Oklahoma, and they were telling me they just sent. And then I went out to Arizona because they had sent teams out to the Yaqui Reservation, where the state of Arizona, you know, there was a shock win by Biden of Arizona. That's what you know. The shock wins of Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada, put and Wisconsin put Biden in back, uh, put Biden into the White House over Trump. Now how? in the world did did biden win arizona by about fourteen thousand votes the answer is the american native vote came in in a big surge that put him over the top which they didn't expect why didn't they expect it because are you ready for this dennis they removed polling stations from they removed polling stations from the reservation when i say they removed polling stations like the pasco yaki they didn't just remove polling stations they removed all the polling stations let me repeat that all polling stations removed from the reservation that meant wow. that if you lived on the res and you didn't do a mail-in ballot you're gonna to have to drive about a hundred miles round trip to vote and you know so the GOP which put this into place they're chuckling Oh, we don't have to worry about the res vote which is all Democratic <laughs> and, you know, unless they want to use up a lot of gas in during COVID by the way drive a hundred miles stand in line during COVID, so if, so they were laughing. But then the the Osage, who have a little more money than the Yaki Pasqua, they sent in people to help out. Make sure they had you know Patriot Act ready uh, voting addresses. Got them registered. Got the mail in ballots. Made sure that the mail in ballots were were filled out correctly because it's very easy to disqualify a mail in ballot. You add in some state, most states. You add a middle initial, but you didn't register with your middle initial. You sign it with your middle initial. They disqualify the ballot. So they really worked on getting these things right. They got tens of thousands of unexpected votes out of the reservations in Arizona. And that's why Biden is your president. So thank you. Next time you see an indigenous American, please shake their hand. And not because they voted for Biden, but because they saved our democracy. OK, Amazing. and they are under Amazing. attack again. And but again, you have to go back to the fight over the resources. So when I'm in Arizona and I'm watching Carrie Lake, who's running now again for U.S. Senate in Arizona, and I hear her talking about the ballots being stuffed into the ballot boxes, into the mail and into the drop boxes. Oh, here's the other thing that they did in Arizona to stop. Hispanics, especially from voting, is they had again armed vigilantes standing armed, you know, with their guns out next to voter drop boxes and challenging people on their citizenship because they had darker skin when they approached the drop box. This is the United States of America. This isn't 1820 or 1870 or 1920. This is 2020 and 2022. This is what's going on. Well, it's, it's this listen. new vigilante attacks.